Welcome to Wedding Photography Unveiled with your host, Martin Chung. Hey everyone, on this week's podcast, we've got the lovely Megan Wilson. Now I've known Megan for a few years now and we often second shoot for each other whenever one of us needs someone. I thought it'd be a great topic for a discussion this week because I often find that there are a lot of second shooters out there who want to build their experience. Maybe they're starting out or they're not that busy and they think, oh, I can build my experience and improve my portfolio by second shooting for somebody else. And whilst overall, I think that's really good advice. There are a lot of do's and don'ts that I think are often overlooked and maybe people just aren't aware of them or in the heat of battle they forget. So I thought it'd be a really interesting conversation for everyone to listen whilst we talk about some of the things that we look for from a good second photographer, some of the things that we definitely don't want to see. And I just think that it's going to be a very useful topic for you if you are starting out and if you do hire a lot of second photographers then you'll probably be nodding your head a lot during this conversation so let's get into it hey megan how are you i'm good how are you martin yeah good what's new what's happening what have you been up to well, you know just the usual start of the year trying to get it back into the swing of things and remember how my camera works <laughs> yeah that's true have you <laughs> shot any weddings yet um, I've done one full day one and then one like two hour one. So, and then I've got my next one this Thursday. So, you and know, how did you is it been like, like you said, have you been rusty or has it just been like riding a bike? It is like riding a bike though. You sort of get, like beforehand, I don't know about you, but beforehand I'm always like, mm, am I going to know what I'm doing? And then I get there and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I know what I'm doing. It's, it's fine. I think. <laughs> what about you? Do you find, do you get rusty? No, I think uh, I was fine on the day, but what I completely forgot about was what gear I take and how to pack it all. So that I was, and over the last couple of months when I've been off, my gear has somehow just spread itself around the house. So like I'm looking for bits and bobs, and I'm like, I don't, I don't remember where it's gone. You know, I'm sure I put it here, but it's no longer in my bag. And and it took ages to find everything, and then like remember what to charge, and oh, it's just been a nightmare. But. You know, I remember last year, you know, when things were busy, it was just dum 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 because I was doing it every week. It was just yep. like, right, do this, do this, and do this. Yeah, I think when it's busy, you get into like a routine and then you don't really think about it. You're like, okay, this is how I do things. This is how I, you know, have a workflow beforehand. This is what I do after, and it's fine. And then when you don't do it for a while, you're like, wait, do I do this first or this first or like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then I, d I don't know how you organize your bag, but I always have a specific spot for something so yeah, that I same. know if there's a space there, something's missing. Oh and yeah, that, same. That's my way of keeping track. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so all my like photography stuff live like in one corner of my office um, and then most of it just lives in my bag. I never really like leave stuff out except for like memory cards or whatever. But I, yeah. yeah, you see, that's the difference between me and you. My, my gear doesn't, isn't able to live in one corner of the house. It literally lives in the entire house because I did that much stuff that acquired well, over the years. <laughs> so basically you're like interior decor is photography related. It's not. Oh yeah, we've got loads of like cupboards and drawers and stuff because we needed stuff to, to well, we needed places to put stuff basically. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is what happens when you're low tech. You only need like a small little corner. 
Well, I have been trying so hard though over the last 18 months to sort of slim down my bag. And so I've got everything down now to like one small roller case and one like off camera flash bag. And, and that's pretty much I'd take now. But so a lot of the gear literally just sits at home just in case. And I don't want to sell it because, you know, one day I might need it. Just in case. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, right. Anyway, um, yeah, first of all, thank you for coming and, uh, and talking to us today. One of the things we were hoping to talk about to you about was about second shooters and specifically what we look for as, as primaries, you know, how, how we might find a job as a second photographer. And yeah, just take it from there really what sort of things we ask for what do's and don'ts that sort of thing is that is that all right yeah absolutely and it's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you Martin so oh you liar <laughs> <laughs> well you know we do talk on a regular <laughs> yeah that, that's not what you say when when, when on whatsapp when we chat <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about I don't think I've ever complained I think I think I've always been like oh it's Martin yay I got a voice note from him what does he want now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think actually that's. Did I second shoot for you first, or did you second shoot for me first? I can't remember which you one. You second shot for me. That was the first time we met. It was. It was. Was it last? No, year before last. And it was I think the middle of the year, and I remember it was like during that really busy year after COVID, where everyone was trying to find seconds and no one could find people because everyone was just so busy. And then. You came and shot with me at Bass Speed Manor Barton's. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I think I've shot for you twice there, haven't I? And then uh, I think... Yes, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think you yeah. came with me once to Hazel Gap, wasn't it? Hazel Gap and Norwood. Um, oh, that's right, Norwood as well, yes. Yeah, so I think we've done like... Oh, no, actually, you've also been with me to Press World. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot oh, yeah. about that one. Yeah, yeah that was I a good mean, one. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, it was a really good one. You got some really great shots that day. It was some really great <laughs> intended stuff. Just lucky. Yeah, amongst the 5,000 images I took for you, one was good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you did take like 5,000 images, but it wasn't just one that was good. They were plenty. Um, but yeah, it is, it is funny that that's how we met. I mean, I know we chatted online before uh, for ages. I mean, I, I always knew as like the techie person on Facebook. And so like if I had like a serious like technical question about something, then I would message you and hope that you'd very kindly reply and, and help me yeah, out. Yeah, that, that's what a lot of people do. They they message me when, because they know I've got an IT background. So people mm -hmm. sort of message me when they've got IT issues. But you and I first got to know each other through COVID, didn't we? We were like COVID buddies. Yeah, we, we were. We were caught COVID at the same time so every day we were and that's back when we had to quarantine so every day we were like messaging each other with the uh the results of the <laughs> lateral flow test going we're not allowed out yet yeah what <laughs> symptoms do you have have yeah. you got your weddings covered is it all fine yeah. <laughs> yeah. so so do you use a lot of second photographers at your weddings or do you include them as standard or is it just something that people can add on how do you work it um, it's something that people add on generally, and I have two options. So people can add like an, a half day or a full day. It's interesting. So some years I have people, I have clients who really want, there's loads that want seconds. And then I have other years where I don't really need a lot of seconds. I shoot a lot on my own, but yeah, I mean, when you need a second, you need a good second. Um, I think that's definitely I always find that tricky if you don't have someone that you're working with regularly. But do you use seconds at every wedding? I don't actually know that. No. So my base package is just me. 
um, mm-hmm. and the which is pr- one of the most popular packages. The other most popular package is actually with my wife, who does video, as you know. Mm-hmm. The other two packages I sell, they do have seconds. So I don't. I would probably say about thirty to forty percent of my packages have seconds. And then sometimes I have people who ask if they can tag along and stuff. So yeah, I always try and find the right wedding where I could do with a hand there. Um, but for the smaller weddings, I, I, I'm more than happy to shoot those on my own. For the larger ones, it is sometimes handy to have an extra pair of hands, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think anything over a hundred people is really helpful to have a second. I always yeah. prefer people, like I recommend my clients add, add on a second shooter if they've got a bigger wedding, but a majority of my weddings tend to be on the smaller side. My couples tend to like having slightly more intimate weddings, but yeah, it was actually, it's actually interesting because last yesterday I was going through all of my weddings for the year to see where I'm going to need seconds and adding. And I actually only have, I think three or four for the year. That oh, really? Seconds. Yeah, that, so it's really not a lot for this year. I mean, people might decide to add on seconds close to the time, but yeah. probably not. Okay, I, I don't know how many I've got, but it's definitely more than that. Yeah, so what sort of quality, well, for, well, before we talk about that, how do you pick your seconds? Do you have a, a list of trusted people or do you just throw it out there on, on the internet? I think so my starting point is always like list of trust people primarily you um, would be my first <laughs> one of all <laughs> Martin are you by any chance available even though I know you have five million weddings this year already so yeah you would you would be my first my first and then there's a oh, couple you're a sweet talker I, I you know uh, I, I try yeah then there's a couple of other people who I would be happy to have along you know and if none of them are available then I would probably ask the people I know for recommendations before I necessarily go to a group. Um, because I think, especially with photography groups, if you haven't met people in person, you just get anybody and everybody that is like, yeah, I'm available. I can shoot for you. It's fine. But you just have no reference point then of whether that person is going to be the right fit for you and the wedding and your style and all the rest. And I know, like, I, I know you know a lot of people. So usually I tend to ask you, or otherwise I have a couple other friends who. I can ask as well who would have recommendations and I think having been in the industry now for what eight years I've got a good collection of connections that I can ask um to second for me so that's helpful how about you do you you tend to very very similar really although last year I did start using someone um, a lady called Mel as my regular second Previously, like you said, I know a lot of people, so I generally just asked my network, you know, and and if none of them were available like you, friends of friends. But what I found was, depending on who the person was, because everybody shoots differently, of course, Mm -hmm. um, depending on who the person was, the final set could look incredibly different. So I remember one wedding I had, it was a a back-to-back wedding, so I had the Friday I can't remember the day, but let's call it Friday and Saturday. On on one day, I had one photographer, and on the other day, I had a different photographer. Now, on the first day, that he loved using his 16 to 35. The next day, they loved using their 7200. So you can imagine the final set, you know, very similar sort of weddings at the same venue at the same time of year, look completely different. Mm-hmm. And that was something which I, I thought about, and I thought, mm, I need to start standardizing this really which is why when I found someone who was keen to learn and and, and seemed to be doing a good job 
already i thought right it might be a good idea to sort of keep using mel uh, as much as i can so that i get some consistency in my sets and she learns you know the sort of images i want not necessarily yeah. what she wants per se but although obviously that's important but just also to make sure you know get oh my likes that sort of image no he doesn't want that that sort of thing really yeah. It does help if you have someone that you shoot with regularly because then they do get to learn what you like and don't like, your style, your approach, things that you generally expect your second to do. I mean, I know when I first started out, I didn't have a network. So I had a couple of people who just volunteered to assist and come along and they were new to it. They just had a camera and I was just using them more for like backup as opposed to an actual second. And then I had somebody who she was really keen to learn and I actually shot her sister's wedding and at her sister's wedding she just took a couple of snaps and I happened to be friends with her sister on Facebook and I saw those photos come up and I was like wow she's actually got a really good eye so I met up with her had a, co a coffee and said are you interested in doing more photography and she was like yeah sure so I trained her from from scratch and she used to shoot in my style and then she started having babies and so then she was less available and so I still see her on the odd occasion but she has very limited availability which is sad for me because she's brilliant and she's such a nice person but um babies take yeah. priority of course well yeah unfortunately they do they seem to involve a lot of time and attention don't they yes uh, you know <laughs> so yeah um i think we're both in the same boat really where once we've exhausted our own network which is generally in the in the busy season in the summer then we have to sort of go out into the public and maybe post a message on on the facebook groups if you do that what sort of things are you looking for in the reply i'm just sort of thinking you know any listener here who's thinking oh you know i'd like to work more as a second shooter or gain more experience via second shooting you know what sort of qualities would you look for in in a photographer so oh it's such a tricky thing because as i think you and i've discussed on many occasions what you put out online can be very different to what somebody actually is like and also what their work is like we tend to only obviously show our greatest hits when I first started, I was just keen to have somebody that had experience that was hopefully going to be shooting the same brand of camera. And that seemed nice um, and had a similar style to me. In more recent years, I've become much more selective. So I think what I've I've been, I guess, braver in terms of saying, I want to see a full gallery of work that they've done. I want to maybe have a conversation with them if there's time for that. Um, you know, this is not the kind of like last minute deal if it's last minute you you have to maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so so i think you know last year i had the same issue where i needed a second for a particular date in august and everybody i knew like everybody was booked and i spent so long trying to find a second i think i'd started looking like three months prior um and i managed to find someone eventually but who she, she was fantastic but it, for me I think primarily it's less important to me for that they have the same camera brand and more important that a their style is similar to mine that they're a nice person and are going to be there to represent me and my brand well and and three that they are you know the galleries that I've seen are consistent um, and I think at this point in time it's really a good idea to differentiate between someone who's a second shooter and has experience and someone who's there to learn because I feel like they offer two different things. And I think that especially people who are starting out and want to get experience need to know that there's very there's a very different 
approach in terms of asking to be a second if you want experience versus asking to be a second because yeah. you just enjoy it and you want to support somebody else. Yeah. To to totally agree with that. I think looking at some of the groups that sort of specialize in finding in connecting second photographers with people who are looking for someone, often people seem to be there to sort of build their portfolio, which is absolutely fine. And I think it's a really good way of, of, of building your portfolio. Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes they sort of don't appreciate that it's a different, not, not skill set, but a different approach. I think you, you said it. And mm -hmm. I've always said that if as a second shooter, you come away from that wedding and have the ability to make that wedding look like you shot it, then you've done a terrible job as a second photographer. Does mm, that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, because if I'm second shooting, I'm always looking for something a bit different, a different angle, something that you're not shooting. You know, so the obvious one is if you're using a 35, then I'll try and use a longer lens or I'll walk around and find a different composition. Yeah. But I think someone who's starting out, they are, their, their focus ultimately is trying to build their portfolio. Yeah. That's, their, that's their primary goal, isn't it? Yeah, Whereas yeah someone who's busy like ourselves who shoot a lot of weddings on of our own and we don't need that anymore we're there to get you the best photos so yeah. you know that motivation is different and, and and i'm sure you're the same you know when we've handed over those cards afterwards the last thing i want to do is edit more photos a hundred percent agree with you i think the thing for me that i find interesting is ultimately that motivation of whether somebody is going to be second shooting for experience or and portfolio or second shooting to support and to actually be a second determines what the final gallery will look like for them and for you because again i got my experience by second shooting and assisting another photographer i am all for that and i think it's a great way to build your portfolio but i think it's really important to be clear about that beforehand because it changes the dynamic for the primary photographer. So for me, if I know someone's going to be building their portfolio, I'm not going to be relying on them as much to get the shots that I, you know, that I, I need, I'm going to be going. And for example, if I say, yeah, go ahead, go do details, I will probably also go and do details because I don't know necessarily how their work is going to turn out if they don't have that much experience. Whereas if I have you, for example, I will not go and read and repeat your work because I 100% know you're going to nail it and it's going to be great and it's going to fit in with my style and there's going to be no issues with the images. There's that kind of, I guess, way of thinking. So for me, I find sometimes if you have someone that doesn't have a lot of experience with you on a, a wedding day that's intense, it can make things a lot more stressful. Whereas if you have somebody that's with you that's got experience and they know what they're doing and it's a hectic wedding day with a lot going on it can really take the pressure off because it means you as a first can focus on what you need to be doing and know that the other bits can be picked up so for example if things are rushed that person can go do the details they can go get lots of guest photos you know all that sort of thing which i think is really valuable so i think there's there's a balance to be had but i do think if you are somebody that is wanting to be a second shooter, it's really important to be clear on what your skill level is at so that you can manage people's expectations. And equally, if you are a primary photographer looking for a second, you have to be clear what your expectations are from your second. And if they don't have a lot of experience and you're both transparent about that, then you're both gonna hopefully meet each other's expectations and no one's gonna end up disappointed. 
Yeah, I think what, what you said has actually reminded me years ago when I, I had someone who was like, oh, I'd like to learn from you, Martin, and second shoot at some of your weddings and build a portfolio. And I was like, yep, tag along. And I remember a couple of things they did really sort of, at the time, really upset me. And I remember one where I'd sent him over the details of where to go. Then he rang me and I was like, right, okay, um, thanks for sending that over. I've spoken to the groom. And I was like, y you've done what now? And he's like, yeah, I rang the groom up. And I'm like, what, why, why would you do that? And um, he was like, well, I just thought I'd say hi to him. And I was like, no, no, don't do that. That number was for like emergencies. You know, if you can't find him on the day, not yeah. ring him up and say hi. And, and I was really upset by that because I thought he'd, I felt like he'd overstepped. And it was Dagger who sort of explained to me, look, mine, you knew he wasn't very experienced. He's not done it maliciously. He's mm -hmm. doing it because he's so keen to, to do a good job. And I, I thought about it and I thought, yeah, that's that ultimately is on me. I should have been clear and, and sort of explained that this is only for emergencies. Um, yeah. And another time where he, the same guy actually, and and, and, and don't get me wrong, he, he doesn't do this, this anymore. And none of it was done intentionally. But again, he, he took the groom off during the evening for his own little mini portrait shoot because ultimately he wanted to build his portfolio. And I didn't know where he'd gone, wasn't thinking much of it because I'm busy. And I'd just come out to the car park to put some stuff in the car and I saw them coming back. And then I was like, oh dear. And then later when I was culling, I looked at the photos and I was like, oh no, they're not great. And then that leaves me in a dilemma. You know, do I need these photos? Because the groom, you know, might ask where these photos are. Yeah. Um, so it is very important as, as a primary when you hire someone that is inexperienced that you set expectations. And in return, if you are looking to anyone listening who is looking to second shoot and gain experience i think it's very important to be open and honest you know we we understand don't we that if someone's learning they will want to shoot for their portfolio you've got to sort of find a balance where it's a win-win for both of you yeah for sure i think for me and i don't know if you do this or not but from my experience i would much prefer taking somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience second shooting to a wedding where they've not actually asked for a second shooter. So then if they do produce some great photos that it's bonus for the couple, there's no kind of love lost there. But it also means that if a couple has asked for a second shooter, I'm not compromising on the quality there by sending somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience, who may not, for example, have ever done groom prep or has done only a little bit of groom prep. There's less kind of, I guess, risk involved. And there's also, I guess, I don't really know what the word is now that I'm looking for, but there's a sense for me that if someone's paying for a service and they're paying, they're paying me for the service, but I'm contracting somebody else to do that and I'm paying them for it, they need to be getting the quality that they are paying for. And so by sending somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience or doesn't really know what they're doing or still even maybe learning what their camera does to groom prep or to photograph details and those photos not come out, essentially I'm doing a real disservice to my clients. Yeah. And and I think that's something that a lot of seconds that are starting out don't necessarily realize. I know when I started, I was like, yeah, of course I can do all of these things and I'll take all of the photos and it's fine. And didn't really consider that actually if somebody is relying on, on having photos or having the right kind of photos or details or whatever, they need to be like spot on in their style so that it all blends in and fits together because that's what the clients have paid for. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've had 
I've had some really odd experiences with seconds, but I've also had some like incredible experiences. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, You know, much like you, where you've had somebody who has done some things that annoyed you. I've had, you know, definitely had similar, and I'm sure most photographers who've been doing this and have had seconds work for them have had the same, but I, and it is about like, I guess, educating people, but that's the last thing that you need to be doing. If you're already in a high stress situation and have a really intense wedding and you need a second to just be performing and doing what they need to do. Yeah. It's tricky. And and I think that's why we have both said that people need to be honest about their skill level because otherwise, I think what a lot of people who are starting out may not have considered is that if you're not an expert with your camera, if you're not experienced, then in some respects, you're not helping, you're almost getting in the way. And to for us to charge the customer for that is unfair to both the customer, which is the most important thing, but also us, because we're now having to double double duty in effect and, and and work twice as hard to try and get everything for them but i think what i see a lot on the groups is almost the expectation that as a second shooter that we will pay them for their work which is not the most experienced which we understand but then at the same time they then want you know to use those photos on their portfolio as well yeah, I completely agree with you. And I firmly believe in paying my seconds, you know, people should be paid for their time, 100%. Oh, 100%. But there's a difference between being a second shooter and being an assistant and being a second shooter with experience and not having any experience. And it's not to say that I think people should work for free. I don't think that that's the case. Um, but there's also different ways of being paid I suppose so for example I had a guy come to a couple weddings with me last year and I said to him look uh there's no expectation from my side for you to produce any images that I can use that is not what this is about you want to learn so come along with me to a wedding I will check with the you know couples that they're happy to have somebody extra there who's who's learning um and they were fine with that and then you can use you know obviously given if the clients obviously say yes, um, you can use whatever images you take and edit them in your style and use them for your portfolio. That's not a problem. The caveat here though, is that you're not going to be paid by me because you're not doing me a service. Mm-hmm. You're coming along to assist to build your portfolio. And and that was a fair exchange. And he, I, I feel anyway, I don't know how you feel about that, but he was more than happy with that because he was basically able to come to a wedding with no pressure on him whatsoever to do anything other than to observe what I'm doing, see how I do things and, and take photographs and get, build his portfolio. And subsequently he's emailed to say, thank you so much for that time and the opportunity. I could, it was really helpful to him. Um, and he was, he was really polite and really lovely in that way. I think it's, it's helpful to have that, but I'm not sure that everybody is always that upfront about it. And that's yeah. problematic. That, that, yeah, I think being upfront, isn't it? I think the whole thing comes back down to being honest. I think in terms of working for free, when you're starting out, I actually think it's it's probably a good idea. And let, let me start, there's two points here, free, working for free and working as an assistant, because I also think that there's a big difference between assisting and seconding, isn't there? And yeah. As an assist, and if you're starting out and learning, being an assistant, I actually think you learn more from. And I remember years and years and years ago when there was me and uh, an old friend of mine called Peter, and we got the opportunity to work with a really experienced photographer in London. 
and um, so we both went down and he was up front and he said, look, I need one of you to be an assistant and one of you to be the second shooter. So he was like, you know, oh, Pete, you can be my assistant and uh, mine, can you second shoot? And we were like, yep, no problem. And what happened then was as a second, I got sent to do other stuff. So, you know, during portraits, I was sent to go and do the details of the room and the and the guest candidates and stuff, where Peter mm-hmm. was basically stood next to him with with the, holding the flashes and soft boxes and he could observe exactly how he interacted with the clients the posing and the lighting and if you want to learn and which is one of the things I wanted to do Pete was doing all the learning and I was doing none of the learning so that, yeah. that always made me realize that yeah sometimes you know being an assistant is far better but on on the working for free part I think certainly when you're starting off you know, I think working for free gives you that ability to not feel any pressure. Uh, and and yeah. interestingly, that's how Dagger first got started. When she first decided to be a videographer, we went to one of our friends, Kim, and said, look, Kim, you know, Dagger wants to try hand at videography. Have you got any weddings where she can sort of tag along where the couple aren't, haven't hired a videographer? So she asked around mm-hmm. and one couple went, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, come along and and we explained look it could be something it could be you know it could be great it could be terrible you know you, you're really rolling the dice here um and I think the only thing yeah. they paid for was the license for the music um so it's about yeah. 50 quid i think at the time and yeah, yeah. And, and and it's gone from there now you know obviously that that from that first wedding all the other weddings she's shot since has been off the back of that one wedding where she works for free so yeah. you know it can be a good thing and don't see you know don't you don't necessarily need to see it as someone's taken advantage of me oh absolutely i mean I, when i started i didn't get paid for a single wedding that i did the first year i think i mean i was still working kind of part-time full-time-ish at the time and i wanted to invest some time into a hobby that I enjoyed and that came opportunity that someone needed an assistant or they were, they didn't need an assistant, but they were happy to have an assistant come along. She was just starting out on her business. So I was kind of there as like moral support, I guess. And, and I went along and I, I loved it. It was great. And I, I didn't get paid for any of that stuff. I didn't get paid for, for, I mean, they were mostly Pittsburgh away. So a bit of a distance, but that whole time that I shot for her, didn't get paid for any of it. The same for, another couple photographers that I did and it was only when I started to get more experience that I felt like okay I actually bring some value to this that I can I feel like I could start charging for things or ask to be reimbursed for at least travel and that sort of thing but I do think people can't expect to just rock up with a DSLR or a mirrorless now and be like oh yeah I have a fancy camera um so I expect to be paid for my time um when you're not actually providing value and I think that that's one of the the things that photographers to realize like if you're not adding value then you're not really a second yeah there's a, there's a balance uh, isn't there you can't expect yeah. someone to work repeatedly for free but uh, and, and if that's the case at some point you've got to have that conversation someone's got to bring that conversation up either you know as a primary look i need to start paying you which is probably the better yeah. way or if they're not then you know as a second you might need to have a word with them and say look you know, I feel like I'm getting pretty experienced now and you're using a lot of my images now. Can mm-hmm. we start talking about payment of some sort? And I think that's, it's yeah. always hard because, you know, the British mentality, we don't talk about money, do we? But um, <laughs> I'm not British, so that well, doesn't count for yeah. me. <laughs> um, but you understand the mentality. And um, 
you know, yes, it is something so. which does need to be discussed. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I know money is always a tricky thing to talk about, but that's where the whole, I mean, we've we've now said it a few times, but the whole being transparent, being honest about things. And I guess that the other thing that I would be interested to know from you, like what what do you think as a starting point, if you're starting to work as a second or even as an inexperienced second, what are the things that you feel like you need to be transparent about? And as a primary, what do you think that you need to be transparent about with your second does that make yeah, sense yeah yeah um, i think I, I would say as a second being honest about your experience and what your skill set is 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 absolutely paramount because without that you, you sort of, you know like in it, there's a almost expectation if you're applying for a job that you sort of exaggerate your experience a little bit but i'd say in this case it's probably going to count against you because if you lie in effect or embellish and say you're better than you are and then you're yeah. soon going to get found out when I go right on do groom prep and I get the photos back and I'm like oh my goodness so I think that's number one and the second thing really is it's all about personality isn't it we want someone that we not only get on with but we trust and not going to upset the couple and their family so I think, you know, come yeah. across as someone that people would like to see at a wedding, for someone friendly, mm-hmm. polite, well-mannered, um, that, that sort of thing, really. I think yeah. What was your, the other one was the other way around, wasn't it? What, what sort of, yeah. yeah. And as a primary, I think one of the things we've got to be clear about when hiring a second is what our usage rights are, uh, or what we expect the second to be able to do with those images. So, yeah, and I think whether someone's experienced or not, I think this needs this needs to be agreed up front. And, and what I mean by that, and you probably know already, whether we will let that person use those photos as part of their portfolio. And I think this is where mm-hmm. a lot of seconds, especially inexperienced ones, will start going. Well, they're my images. Mm, yeah, you know, technically maybe so. You took the photo, but you're shooting at my wedding. You know, I, I worked, I fought tooth and nail to win this wedding. You've come along to shoot for me or you've come along to help me. So it, it really should be down to me to decide what you do with those images. And often I'm, I'm fairly laid back with it, to be honest. And I call them common sense rules, but, you know, I'm sure you've heard... <laughs> you know experiences from others where things haven't quite been as common uh, common sense as people would like you know i i say to, to seconds look if you want to use them for portfolio just let me know which photos they are so i can make sure the customer has that photo as well don't tag the venue don't tag the couple because they're my customers and and I, and, and for the love of god please don't post anything on social media or on your website until I've delivered the gallery to the customer. Because the last thing we want is the customer to go, I've seen some of my photos on the internet, Martin, and we've not even got our, our photographs back yet. What's going on? Yeah, 100%. I completely agree with you on all of that. Um, I think for me, I'm also pretty laid back. I, I literally like use the images. I don't care. As long as the clients are happy because, you know, GDPR and also because it's they're, they're the ones that have paid for the 
service. And so they have the right to decide where their photos are going to be. And I do have some clients who don't want me to share photos anywhere. And that's fine. That's well within their right. And I really respect, um, you know, people's privacy. And at the same time, then it's important that my seconds then respect that too. And so I think for me, it's definitely, particularly with image use, uh, I would go a step further and say, you know, everyone's common sense is, is different, I guess, in some ways. You think that my common sense is someone else's common sense are the same, it? but I have definitely learned that that's not the case. And so I feel like just being really transparent and straightforward about it and saying, look, you can share those photos. Um, and like you said, don't tag, you know, whoever in them use them in your portfolio that's all fine but then I know some people who have asked for example when I've second like if I do share an image can I please say second shot you know taking this photo while second shooting for xyz and I'm fine with that too like I that doesn't bother me why that makes any sense I also yeah. don't I don't it doesn't really you know but I, I, I respect mean, it, I guess yeah. that's what I can see it's a kind of <laughs> them showing you respect but it doesn't help their business does it so and if they're building no, up really. their portfolio and want to increase that, improve their business, I'd rather they just use the image. Do you know what I mean? Without saying, because yeah. otherwise they're like, create this image whilst shooting for Martin Chung and then they click on the link and see my photos. And it's like, that isn't what they want. So it's just easy. No, it isn't. But I think that's why some photographers yeah. ask for that because they don't necessarily want the original photographer or the person that's taken the image the second shooter to get all of the credit which i think sort of defeats the purpose of letting somebody use the images in the first place i mean i do think it is important to be clear on that i also think as a starting point it's really important to be clear on payment so ask the person whether you are hiring somebody or whether someone's applying to become a second shooter you need to discuss beforehand what you're being paid because i know people who have rocked up to weddings, second shot, and then emailed the photographer afterwards and be like, so I need to invoice you, how much is it? And then they get paid substantially less than what they were expecting. And everybody's rates for payment, you know, for second shooters is different. Uh, varies from like 50 quid to 350 to 400 pounds. So I think it is important to manage people's expectations in that regard. Um, and no, I was just, I was just, you just, your point there just made me think of one as well, which is, look, we know that second shooting rates um, haven't changed a lot over the years. Uh, certainly, it doesn't feel to me like they have. And no. it is something which, you know, arguably should be higher because, you know, you mm -hmm. are providing a service. But at the same time, I feel like rates are, haven't really moved because every year there seems to be more and more wedding photographers coming into the market and, and therefore... You know, there's a lot more supply for the same amount of demand. Um, and the one thing I was going to, the point I, I thought of and I was going to make was, you know, if you are one of these people who are trying to find second shooting work in the Facebook groups, for the love of God, don't go around blasting anyone for, you know, po posting, looking for a second shooter, I, I can only pay 200 quid. And then you always see these comments, don't you, going, oh, that's disgusting. How you, know, you might as well be asking them to work for free, da, da, da. And that might be your opinion, but it just doesn't paint you in a good light, does it? I just look at people yeah. and I think, you know what? I wouldn't want you to second for me because I want some. What else are you exactly. going to complain about? What else yeah. you have issues with? Yeah. Um, just scroll you know, on. If, if you don't want to work for that, just scroll on and do something else. Absolutely. I mean, like with most things in life, if you don't like what you see, just move past exactly. it. You don't have to follow the yeah, comments exactly. on it.
But yeah, I agree. I mean, some like when I first started, I, I wasn't even charging that much for weddings. So when I was actually having to pay a second, yeah. I couldn't afford to pay them huge amounts. So and now I'm very clear, you know, if you're going to work half day or full day, this is what the rate is. Obviously, some people who have a bit more experience, I'm happy to pay a little bit more. Um, and I'm also happy to negotiate. So if I say to somebody, this is my rate, and they're like, well, actually, usually I would charge X, Y, Z. I'm happy to have that conversation. I think that's, I guess, something else that some people can, don't be afraid to say, well, this is the rate that I would normally charge you, happy to negotiate a little bit. Um, and then also consider things like travel cost if it's going to be far away. Is your primary willing to pay for travel cost? Yeah, I just think it's about being fair ultimately and deciding for yourself what you're willing to work for. If you want to give up a whole day for 50 quid, that is your prerogative. Yeah. I won't do it. But, you know, it's up to well, you. Uh, you know, uh, you say, you know, you wouldn't give up your whole day for 50 quid. That that just made me think of another thing. Uh, and one of the things I know me and you do, and I, and I do this for a few others as well, is we take turns in second shooting for each other. And that way, yeah. you know, no money changes hands. You know, I shoot for you, you shoot for me. And ultimately it balances out and it doesn't affect your turnover. doesn't affect your costs. Mm -hmm. It's just our own time. And, and I love that. I, I think that's the best way to do it because yeah. you, you, you're sort of banking favors with experienced photographers who you can trust and you know they're going to turn up they're going to do a good job and you don't have to worry about it yeah i agree with you i mean i think that is one of the best ways to do it is to do a swap i think it works out really well but it does require a level of trust i think if you are somebody that's for the first time working with someone you've never met before i'm definitely not going to be like oh yeah i'll i'll shoot for a swap or whatever because you don't even know if that opportunity is going yeah. to come around i mean you and i know each other really well and so like never have any issues with that but I guess my comment about the 50 quid is more like if somebody, if I respond yeah, to somebody yeah, in yeah, a group, yeah. like, oh, yeah. It just got me thinking, so, that's all. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I agree with you. I think it's a great way of doing things once you have, I guess, a network of photographers and people that you know, like, and trust. Yeah, it's a second shooting is a... Complicated, <laughs> isn't it? You think, you think it's simple, but then when you actually start talking about it, it actually gets quite complicated. And just things like, for example, what, what I wanted to ask as well was I often see when people post looking for, create posts looking for second shooters, things like, oh, must be a prime shooter or must have a similar camera brand to me. You know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, why do people do it? I think in the past it mattered a lot because if you, you know, before AI was editing all our photos in the same style, you had to then match somebody else's camera brand style because obviously so for me sorry i'll backtrack a little bit for me my preset was created bespoke for me and it works for my my cameras and for nikon and but it doesn't look the same when i apply that same preset to sony to fuji to whatever and so i'd have to spend a whole lot more time editing each photo so that it looked consistent across the board so i think for consistency's sake it's helpful to have someone that shoots the same brand of camera even the same cameras as you even better but now with ai i think it makes much less of a difference i mean you have second shot for me loads and there's been no issue whatsoever with matching colors and making sure it looks consistent it just makes no difference to me now there are a couple of camera brands that i'm like oh yeah I, I, and I, no I, I i totally agree nikon and sony i can make those cameras match very easily uh, the, the, yeah. the one that i cannot get to match 
um, well, prior to AI, you're right, actually, I haven't really noticed it since I've started using AI editing. So you, you probably hit the nail on the head there as to why. But Canon colors, I could not get Canon colors to match with either when I was shooting Nikon or when I switched to Sony, they just sort of stood out a mile. And, uh, and I know Canon users are all like, oh, we've got great colors, but you know, I don't think they're anything special. There, I said it. I said it. Canon colors are nothing special. <laughs> Uh -oh. We're just pain in the bum to, to match with anything else. The people are going to come for you are, now. Just <laughs> fences and everything. If I disappear now, you um, know why. Yeah, I will um, <laughs> alert the police. Um, yeah, for me, it's not so. Canon's not, I mean, it's not my favorite, but it's fine. Um, I can make it work. It's Fuji for me. Just not a fan, unfortunately, because I've seen some brilliant like photos come out of those cameras. But I've not had anyone just shoot about. Fuji. For me for a long time I, I can't even remember the last time i had someone shoot fuji I, yeah i remember i've had i had it twice and interestingly enough one of the people that i learned from when i first started this whole photography journey um was he was a fuji shooter and so i learned i didn't learn on his cameras but i learned watching him mm. um and he had this teeny tiny little fuji that looked like a toy and i was like that's not a real camera like, what is that exactly but yeah he created some some beautiful photos but then i'd never edited his images so when i finally had someone who second shot for me and they were fuji and i got the images back and i was looking through them i think on photo mechanic at the time i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> having a little mini panic attack like, i think i might even message you about it i was like is this something to be really concerned about? I didn't know this beforehand. But yeah, anyway, that's off on a, a completely different tangent. I think you also mentioned something Prime about Prime zoom. zoom. Yeah, that's another one that people often say, isn't it? I mean, so I'm a Prime sheet, so that's my preference. I am not hugely bothered if people want to use Zooms, as long as they're not shooting, as long as they're shooting pretty wide open most of the day, because that matches my style. If someone's going to be shooting at like, seven eight you know or it, heaven forbid an f stop of like 11 that's going to be a problem because it's not going to match my style and then it's going to look off and their images are really going to stand out in not a good way um in amongst my photos so i guess that's the only thing but i know some people aren't bothered and some people are really like militant about it they will not shoot with anybody that has zoom so i guess that's part of the discussion is to say look yes use your zoom but don't be shooting you know. I thought that this might be more because in the past, primes were a lot sharper than zooms. Uh, when we when we first got yes, started, that was true. the case. But the gap's completely gone now, I think. I think zooms are pretty much indistinguishable unless you, like, really zoom in and pixel peep. Um, then, But for sure, I think the issue for me is if you, you know, I've had people who've shot on zoom and zoomed way in and then been shooting on like an f-stop of like seven or eight and then it's just a mess right okay like i've never had anyone do that um not not anyone that knows what they're doing anyway i think i probably have the opposite right. problem where i've had people who try and shoot everything on 1.4 and 1.8 and i personally don't like that look because um, not some uh, for, for portraits that's absolutely fine but for the rest of the day mm -hmm. i find that really difficult because i want usually want more than one layer of people to be in focus. I don't like it where, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure you've seen it, where during the ceremony you shoot wide, wide open. 
and you've got the bride in focus, but then the groom's out of focus. And I just think yep. if you yeah. turned your f-stop to like f4 or something, then you could have had both of them in focus and that just looks a bit yep. better. Um, I think it's a case of, you know, just because you can shoot at f1.4 doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, when I, I think one of my very first proper second shooting clubs, I worked with somebody and she, she was like, can you please shoot on like 1.4, 1.8? All day long as much as possible and i was like what? okay no wow problem. I don't know. um and that was her style and that was fine like i did um it was okay for me personally i think i'm pretty much like you i would rather have a couple layers of people in focus but majority of the day i think i'm at like 2.8 yeah. because i feel like that's quite a nice yeah. balance but 2.8 is roughly my sweet spot for most of the day unless you know there's a situation for example you're in church or something and it's too dark then yeah, of course. It's just one of those things, you well, know. I, I guess, uh, and without wanting to put words in your mouth here, ultimately, Primes versus Zoom, camera brands being the same, um, is that if you had two photographers, you know, would you always choose that one uh, who had the same camera brand or would you sort of look at other factors as well? Oh, I would 100% look at other factors. I think those things are much less important to me than whether that person's like a nice person and they're going to be able to do a consistent job throughout the day and represent the brand well. And it's like what you said earlier, you know, you want someone that's going to make other people feel comfortable. And the best seconds that I've ever had have been people who have gone and gone out of their way to, for example, help a groom with cufflink or a, a tie or a buttonhole, um, help a bride with her dress. Um, you know, all the things that I would naturally do on a wedding day, but having a second there as well that spots those little things and thinks actually, you know, I could help grandma, you know, down the step because yep. they can see she's struggling. Those things for me make more of a difference than whether someone's shooting on primes, yeah. zooms, brands, whatever. So, yeah, I think that that for me is probably more what I would look for. What about you? Do you have priorities in terms of where you would level things? I think that definitely the experience and work are the two big ones that would be top of the list. I would much rather have someone who shot Canon or Fuji, but knew how to compose a good photograph than hire mm -hmm. someone who's inexperienced just because they use Sony. You know, I think mm -hmm. I'd much rather spend that little bit of extra time matching those colors. Definitely. And, and under no circumstances would I ever have someone who I felt would put my business and reputation at risk at a wedding. I'd rather just tell the customer I couldn't find a second and take the hit on it. Yeah, I agree. Because all day long you'll be sitting there stressing, thinking, what is this person going to say or do or whatever? And I've had I've had a couple occasions where someone took issue with what was happening in a church service. It was a very traditional, conservative Christian wedding. And the second that I had, I'd never met before. And she happened to take issue with the fact that it wasn't inclusive um, in terms of traditional churches like this, take this bride, marry this groom, you know, you see, whereas obviously that's not necessarily inclusive of other weddings um, and other types of weddings, but that's what this couple wanted. And my second was very vocal about it so much so. She was really vocal about it. And I was like, 
I look, I understand that there are other types of weddings and other types of marriages, and that's absolutely fine. But equally, this is somebody's wedding that you're at. You can't be vocal about it there. I mean, fortunately, nobody overheard her, I don't think. But she was very, very loud about it, talking to me about it. I was like, look, what am I, what do you want me to do? I can't rock her. She'd be like, oh, hang on a minute. Your vows are wrong. Um, you know. Can you imagine? So, like, oh, my goodness. No, that time and the place. And that was not the time or the place. No, definitely not. And I think, you know, ultimately it's about being respectful and, and understanding that people choose to get married in whichever way they choose to get married. And you have to respect that. You're turning up to do a job. And so um, you're there to capture their wedding day, whatever that might look like. And so I just feel like yeah. you then having to raise your own personal views at a wedding that is not inclusive of your views or whatever well, that's that's not fair that's not okay that's not professional it made me feel uncomfortable i was worried she was going to talk to like guests about it yeah um, you'd be but... worried all day wouldn't you yeah i was i was i was stressed i was like oh my gosh please don't say anything i remember one wedding i had where and i was really struggling to find a second and in the end i it, it was one of those cases where for some reason i don't know why everybody was booked and I just ended up having to take who was available. And uh, this lady came along and she, she said that, you know, she was very, very experienced, blah, blah, blah. And she rocked up and her gear was absolutely woefully out of date. Um, it wasn't just a little bit out of date. It was woefully out of date. But then also she just kept disappearing at random times during the day. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know why she'd just disappear for large parts of the day and it, it was just stressful because you know I, I i felt like i couldn't rely on what she shot and certainly oh, wow. the, the the photos that i got back from her weren't the best definitely weren't the best but thankfully because i got that feeling I, like we said earlier i was working twice as hard to try and cover the the, the expectations you know the quality of the photographs suffered because the gear was so old that they just weren't up to modern standards of what we expect, you know, in terms of ISO mm -hmm. and sharpness. And I know, I, you know, I know as photographers, we often go on too much about sharpness and, and stuff, but, you know, in this case, it was not even close, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's gotta be, I mean, like we've just like bandied on about how gear is not really as important or the rest, but ultimately you do have to have gear that's at least quality it's is going to match. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because if it's that inconsistent, it's going to be blurring, glaring, no, glaring the yeah, obvious. Exactly. I mean, I don't use expensive lenses anymore. You know, I, I've I've not got the you know f one point four G master lenses. I think I've got one actually. I tell a lie. I've got the twenty four one point four, which is a lovely lens. But my main prime lenses are both what the cheap one point eight lenses because they're good enough. They're more than good enough. Well, I mean, with the mirrorless, they don't do a one point four yet. Uh, well, at least the last I think they yeah, didn't know. So uh, I have the 1.8, which is my only option, yeah, yeah. really. And they're, well, they're fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yeah. They're beautiful lenses. Especially nowadays when you can go up to like ISO 6400, 10,000 and still deliver acceptable images. Yeah. You're not like older absolutely. days. No, definitely. I mean, I can. It's interesting because I know people. So my previous camera, the cameras were 750s. And I can definitely tell the difference even between the 750s and the mirrorless, the quality, if you put them side by side for the same image is, is noticeable, but not so noticeable that 
if a second shot for me with seven fifties that my clients would yeah. notice. No, the seven fifty was clients... a good camera. I mean, I had three of them at one oh, point. What? Yeah, what were you doing? Well, I, I had two D seven fifties, and then one day I decided this is back in the days when I was um, not full time, so I had all the money to burn. So I bought a D four off someone, and that mm. was. I think just to scratch the itch, I wanted to be able to shoot at 10 frames a second, which is nowadays, now, nowadays it's just like, hey, whatever, who can't shoot at 10 frames a second? But back in those days, it was like, oh my God, I could shoot at 10 frames a second. And then I, I decided that I really, really hated the D4 because it was just big and heavy and sounded like a machine gun. So yep. I sold it and replaced it with another D750 just so that, because you know what I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit clumsy. So that if I dropped a camera, at a wedding, I'd still have two cameras. So, you know, whereas, yeah, good to have a backup. Yeah, if you end up on one camera, I don't know about you, but I'm sweating for the rest of the day. I'm sweating oh. like, oh, if I drop this camera, it's game over. <laughs> well, to be fair, I've never dropped a camera at a wedding, only once on an engagement shoot, which was not the best. Really? Um, but I have fallen, though, a couple of times or knocked my camera. I mean, I think you were privy to one of my very uh, graceful falls. <laughs> at one of your weddings at Norwood but my camera was yeah. fine like it didn't actually hit my camera which is okay but um yeah I, I think I mean I have my 750 as a backup yeah. that's my third camera but I haven't been as extravagant and had three I, I, uh, I remember falling <laughs> once and banging it was a D600 it was a D600 I think it was mm-hmm. um and I banged the camera as I fell um on the floor and when I picked it up one of the SD cards failed the camera itself was fine it didn't even need repairing you know everything's still lined up it still took beautiful photos but one of the two sd cards failed and And i remember thinking thank god i've got dual memory card slots because otherwise i'd have been in big trouble yeah oh yeah for sure i mean i don't know what people did before dual i would have been very sweaty all of the time So okay, uh-huh. so no, I think we've we've talked a lot on um, on second shooters and what we look for and stuff. So I think, what about any tips for anyone on how they should approach getting a job as a as a second shooter? I think it depends on experience. So I think if you have experience, I would say just put yourself out there. So if you see people posting in groups, like put yourself out there, put your portfolio out there, and I would say also. At this point in time, if you've got experience, you probably have at least some connections with people in your circle and just say, hey, if anybody needs second shooters, I am available. And I think part of putting yourself forward, so if you want to like actively promote yourself and what you can offer, it is about what you can offer to your, to the primary photographer, not about what you're going to be getting from it. Because ultimately, if you're not there to build your portfolio and that's for people who are still learning, then you are there to provide, serve serve sounds like such a terrible word but do you know what i mean like you're there to support i suppose is the better word um you you know the the your primary photographer wow serve is really that is a strong word (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no it's definitely support and it's more about i think what experiences have you had that have been amazing with second shooters because for me I've had some phenomenal second shooters where I've been like, oh my word, can they please come to all of my weddings? Because it's just so nice to have them there. You know what what really makes me think, oh my God, please come again, is 
when things are so busy and it's usually, and I don't know about you, but it's usually for me when I'm doing groups, you know, it's like herding cats, nobody's listening. You're trying to get everyone to look at you. You've got people next to you taking photos as well. That is for me, without a doubt, the most stressful time of the day. And then if some, if my second comes up to me and shoves a glass of water in my hands, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Cause I haven't had a chance to go and get myself a glass of water. I'm so thirsty cause I'm shouting for various people. And it's just like, Ah, so it's little things like that that just shows that they're being thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And and I've done it for people because I realized myself, you know, like, oh, I'll be gasping right now for a drink. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it definitely is for me, like little things. Like I've had a secretary who, she bought snacks with her. She was like, I've got snacks in my fanny pack. Do you want one? <laughs> so I was fine at the time, but that just meant a lot to me. Or like she'd come check in with me and be like, hey, do you need some more help with the groups? I can see there's a lot still going on. Or And someone that like takes initiative. So instead of me having to ask you to go and do the details, just do it. Like even if you don't think that, just, yeah. just do it. Or just take, don't wait for me to tell you to take photos of guests, just go ahead and do it. I also appreciate someone that will ask me and say, hey, I, you know, we're gonna do the confetti shot now, for example, or whatever it is. I can see you're on 35 and 85 or 85, 24. What do you want yes. me on? So that I have the option to think, okay, well, I'm gonna shoot tight. This person can go wide then, for example. You do that a lot, actually, at, at your weddings, where you'll say to me, can you do that? And actually, that's really helpful as a sec- for, for a second to know what your expectation yes, is. Yes, exactly. Um, because the last two very identical compositions in photos. What's the point? The point? Yeah, but yeah, you're yeah. six yeah, foot sure. to my left. 100%. Not the most useful. Whereas if one of us wide, one of us is tight, then the client's going to get like two chances of a completely different photo, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what you hire a second for anyways, to get obviously additional shots, but also additional angles and additional variety within the wedding day. Um, Things that you wouldn't be able to do two of, unless you have both cameras up to your face, which I've never seen before, but I'm still waiting for. (laughs) Two cameras, that's going to be, no, I've never seen that. Yeah, it's not, (laughs) no, neither have I. (laughs) But I'm waiting for someone to do it because I feel like somebody would. Uh, anyway, it's totally off on a tangent, but I think, I mean, back to your original was like, what could a, somebody do to get hired? I think ultimately, once you've got your, your foot in the door is to just be proactive on the day, to be supportive of your second and to come with a smile and with a sense yes. of humor. If you're there and you're happy and you're happy to, you know, if guests come and chat with you to have a, like a, a chatty conversation and then still get back to work, not spend obviously hours chatting, then you're already way ahead of a lot of people who are seconding because weddings are a social event. And so you do need to be able to fit in and to be polite and to be professional and to be helpful. Um, And if you go out of your way to help people on the wedding day, I think that makes all of the difference to your primary. I mean, I've had someone who was an assistant who was, she was, she was great. She's a friend of mine now anyway, but she, she was so good on the day. She'd never shot a wedding before. Um, she was doing a little bit of shooting, but we basically, they left the confetti back at a hotel, which was in the middle of London. And they had really been very selective about the confetti and really wanted that confetti shot. So my assistant got back in a cab, went back to the hotel, which was a good 20 minute drive, and then came all the way back. She missed most of the ceremony, but I was fine with that because I didn't need her for that. She came back with the confetti ready to go and it 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 worked out i mean i think that's just if you're willing to do that kind of thing 
means a lot, doesn't it? It's little things like that mean a lot. Yeah. It really does. And it means a lot to the couple, which then um, ultimately reflects really well on on you as a person and a photographer because you've got somebody that's supporting you and supporting your brand. And it sounds really big-headed to be like, well, it's all about me and my brand. But as photographers, we work really hard to to build a brand that represents us and the um, attracts the right kind of clients. And it's, for me, I like to think of myself as going as somebody that goes out of my way to help clients, even going more than going above and beyond in terms of like, uh, not just being a photographer. So, you know, I have done things on wedding days that is way beyond the purview of just being a photographer. And it's great if you have a second that has that same kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. I think we've, uh, we've certainly, I think we've done this subject to death, haven't we? Uh, I think hopefully <laughs> I think people so. who are listening um, have found a lot of use out of this subject, whether you are looking to start out and find second shooting to build your portfolio, or even if you're experienced and just like myself, just enjoy second shooting for, for others. And because I always find it's just a good way of just trying new things basically without any pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. so last thing, Megan, if people want to find out more about you, uh, what, what, where do they need to go? Uh, so they can visit my website, which is www.meganwilson.net or I'm on Instagram as Ms. Ms. Megan Wilson. Say hello in the DMs, uh, or send me an email if you want to have an email conversation. Fantastic. All right. Thank you very much, Megan. Thanks so much, Martin. It was nice chatting with you. See ya.